there is a legendary, mythical phrase that a young boy once uttered to his hero. Say it ain't so, Joe. And the context of that comment is the Chicago White Sox baseball team in the 1919 World Series where Shoeless Joe Jackson, along with seven other players, were accused of taking a bribe and intentionally losing the World Series. And obviously, doubts over Jackson's guilt have been debatable over the years. But the legend or the myth has it that as he was in the courtroom coming out, a a young boy came up to him and said, Say it ain't so, Joe. It's an expression that I think is very applicable when our heroes let us down or where people we respect or we hope to come through for us that we may know personally let us down. We're like, say it ain't so. And I think that is an appropriate phrase for us to use today because over the last year we've been studying the book of Proverbs. We just did it last week. It was a lot of work, right? We learned a lot as the Holy Spirit used King Solomon to give us truth on how we're supposed to navigate life. But get ready for this. If you may not know this, this may be shocking to you. This is a say it ain't so moment. Are you ready? Here we go. Are you ready? King Solomon, the guy that God used to write most of the Proverbs, He fell away from the Lord. He bailed. He started worshiping other gods. Say it ain't so. What happened? How did that happen? That's what we're going to look at today as we look in a book you may have never even read before. First Kings. Try to find it. It's in the Bible, in the Old Testament. Look at the table of contents. If you're on the smartphone, it's easy. I put it there for you. But 1 Kings chapter 11 is where we're going to be today. And let's do this. Let's all stand as I read it together, the passage, starting in 1 Kings 11. What happened to Solomon? Starting with verse 1. Now King Solomon loved many foreign women along with the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomites, Sidonian, and Hittite women from the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the people of Israel, you shall not enter into marriage with them, neither shall with you, they with you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods." Solomon clung to these in love. He had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. So Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord 
and did not wholly follow the Lord as David his father had done. Then Solomon built a high place for Chemesh, the abomination of Moab, and for Melech, the abomination of the Ammonites, and on the mountain east of Jerusalem. And so he did for all his foreign wives who made offerings and sacrifice to their gods. And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice and had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods. But he did not keep what the Lord commanded. Therefore, the Lord said to Solomon, since this has been your practice and you have not kept my covenant and my statutes that I have commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom from you and give it to your servant. Yet for the sake of David, your father, I will not do it in your days, but I will tear it out of the hand of your son. However, I will not tear away all the kingdom, but I will give one tribe to your son for the sake of David, my servant, and for the sake of Jerusalem that I have chosen. You may be seated. If you were hoping for one of those positive and uplifting Father's Day messages, you have come to the wrong place. Today is going to be a serious, sobering warning. And I want to kind of give you a statement to to kind of summarize this warning. And I think there's a great New Testament passage that I want to use. It comes from the book of Hebrews. Hebrews 3.12 pointedly summarizes today's warning. Here it is. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Be careful that you do not have a heart that leads you to fall away from God. You see, this is what happens. I want to kind of say something theologically to you. If you are a true believer in Jesus, then you have the Holy Spirit in you, and God will persevere you till the end of your life, and you will be in heaven one day with the Lord through faith in Christ. But get this. God uses means to make sure you get there. And one of the means that he used is warning passages where God warns you and believers respond and keep persevering. It's like driving a car on a mountain road, and you see these warning signs that say, slow down, there is a curve up ahead. So you're driving, you slow down, you respond to the sign, and you make it around the curve. You don't freak out when you see the sign. You don't think, oh, I see the sign, I'm about to go off the cliff and die. No. Believers, hear the warnings, We respond, we make it around the curve, fine, we persevere. Those are warning passages. Well, today is a warning story. You see, what is written in the Old Testament is for us as New Testament believers, and it's an example to pay attention, to don't do what Solomon did. Avoid his path. Pay attention. Heed the warning. What's going on in your heart? Lord, wake us up to respond to the warning. And believers will respond, repent, and keep persevering. 
So what is the deal with Solomon anyway? How did the guy who gave us Proverbs end up worshiping other gods? How did that happen? Well, let me tell you this. It didn't happen overnight. There were some character cracks along the way. And what we're going to do before we jump full-blown into chapter 11, we're going to look at Solomon's character cracks along the way, and we're going to see what was going on inside of his heart. And, and it's not going to be pretty. I had a guy come into my office this week. He came in, didn't start talking or anything. He just wanted to show me something. He started unbuttoning his shirt, and he went, boom, big scar right down the middle of his chest. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> I didn't need to see that. But he said, I just had massive heart surgery. Isn't that gross? Yes, it's gross. <laughs> so what we're about to see this morning from the Bible in Solomon's heart, and it's, it's a little gross of what's going on leading up to his full-blown uh, um, apostasy. So for those of you who have the the physical Bible, you're going to have to do a lot of flipping with me. This is going to be awesome. Uh, as I like to say, we're going to feel like a Baptist today. You know, Baptists, they make you flip all the time. So here we go. You Baptists will love it. So stay in First Kings. Go to chapter 3. Let's start in chapter 3. Let's look at his heart. First Kings, chapter 3. Look at verse 3. Look at the very part. It says, Solomon loved the Lord. There it is. The Bible's very clear that early on, Solomon loved the Lord. And get this. He wanted the people in Israel to love the Lord, too. He wanted them to have a whole heart devoted to the Lord. Keep your finger here and go to chapter 8. Go to chapter 8. 1 Kings 8 and verse 61. Verse 61. This is his heart for the people. 1 Kings 8, 61 says, Let... Your heart, therefore, be wholly true to the Lord our God, walking in his statutes and keeping his commandments as at this day. So he wants his heart to love the Lord, and he prays for the people to have a whole heart devoted to the Lord. Not a cracked heart, but a, but a whole heart. Uh, for those of you who are in here, guys, you shouldn't have a cl clue about this, but girls, you, you, you should. Uh, you know those little heart necklaces that are cracked? And they say, like, best friends. Guys, you better not have those. But girls, you know what I'm talking about? And you crack it, and your best friend gets half, and you get half, and so they're in your heart. And you know what I'm talking about. Well, here's what's going on with Solomon. It's not like one of those best friend necklaces. It's kind of like this. His heart is cracked, and half of it is for the Lord. And he loves the Lord. But the other half of his heart, he's like, you know what? I'm going to keep it to myself. And I'm going to do my own thing. And I'm going to operate in my own wisdom on how I should see things happening in my life. And so he has this cracked heart. Here, Lord, you take that part. I'm going to keep this part. And it, and it represents many of us. We have this cracked heart. We say we love the Lord. And part of us does. But the other part is like, you know, I'm going to keep this myself. And I'm going to do my own thing. So what I want to do, especially for the men in here today... We're going to look at four signs of a cracked heart. Do you have a cracked heart? I'm not talking about the scar. I'm talking about your walk with the Lord. Do you have a cracked heart? Here's four signs in Solomon that led to full-blown falling away from the Lord. What's going on inside you? So the first sign of a cracked heart in Solomon, number one, 
was spiritual laxity. Spiritual laxity. Flip back to 1 Kings 3. Flip back to chapter 3 of 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 3. We just looked at this. Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David his father. Only he sacrificed and made offerings at the high places. Ho, ho, ho. I think the author is tipping us off early that something's not quite right with Solomon because he's making offerings at the high places. Let me explain. The, the temple is not made yet. It's not been built. However, Israel was to, to, to sacrifice at the tabernacle alone, okay? But their neighbors, the pagans, you know, they would, they would sacrifice at these high places, as closer they could be maybe to their gods. And Israel thought, well, that's a great idea. We're not going to believe in their gods, but we're going to make these sacrifices and offerings throughout Israel at these high places, and we're going to worship our God. Not a good idea. First, the Bible forbids it. Second, why does it forbid it? It's because of drift. They could drift as they could start worshiping their God and then start worshiping other gods. And what you're going to see is that this issue, this issue is going to be huge. And it's going to come back to bite Solomon later. Because Solomon's thinking, hey, Israel, I'm about to build you a temple. But until we do that, let's go make some offerings and sacrifices at these high places. Spiritual laxity. I think about the men in here. Many of you, us, we we tend to idolize the future. We, We tend to think that we can slack off now, yeah, but later on, we're going to get serious about the Lord and our future. This happens all the time. Guys, they think to themselves, okay, right now I'm going to slack off in the word and prayer, but when I find that woman and we get married, I'm going to be so serious with the prayer and I'm going to be so serious with the word. And it happens once guys get married. They go, well, right now I don't want to go to church, but when my kids start to get older and they grow, then I'm going to go to church and I want them to, to learn all that religious stuff. I'll get serious then. And the same thing happens with guys in their careers. They go, well, right now I'm working on my career. And once I get established, then I'm going to be all in for God and I'm going to just take risks for him. But right now I need to get my career established. And what tends to happen with guys, probably with girls too, is guys think right now I'm going to kind of kick back, slack off spiritually, but revival's coming. Revival's going to come for me for sure in the future. And so Solomon's like, I'm going to make all these sacrifices at the high places, but one day I'm going to build this temple, and it's going to be wonderful. Solomon, those high places are going to come back to haunt you. My brothers in the Lord who are slacking off right now spiritually, you may think that revival is waiting you in your future, but maybe not. Maybe destruction is awaiting for you. So we see the spiritual laxity, an early crack in Solomon's heart. But we also see this crack of hunger for power. It's the second thing. He had a hunger for power. Look again, chapter 3. Here we go, chapter 3. 
verse 1, Solomon made a marriage alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt. He took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David until he had finished building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. So here's the deal. You're like, well, were there no... uh, were there no girls in Israel, Solomon? Why do you have to go to Egypt? Well, he probably wants to keep that border safe. And Pharaoh probably wanted to keep his border safe as well. And so back then, they would make these political alliances, these political marriages. And so that exactly is what Solomon did. So he married this daughter of Pharaoh. And in case you're wondering, this is out of bounds. Israel was not supposed to marry foreigners that worshipped other gods. They weren't supposed to do that. And not only did he marry someone who worshipped another god, but he married someone out of Egypt. That's their former slavery. And they worship all types of gods. And so, but he wants to stabilize his kingdom, get that power, and he does it through this unholy alliance. But it's not just his political marriages. We also see that Solomon wanted to uh, have some power. And so he not only did these political marriages, but he also amassed all these horses, horses for war. Uh, let's jump to chapter 10. I want you to see it in chapter 10. You okay? Still turning with me? Here we go. First Kings 10. I want you to see that he, he got all these horses of war. Chapter 10, verse 26. Verse 26 says, And Solomon gathered together chariots and horsemen. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horsemen whom he stationed in the chariot cities and with the king in Jerusalem. Jump to verse 28. And Solomon's import of horses was from Egypt and Kew, and the king's traders received them from Kew at a price. Once again, amassing of war horses is out of bounds. And you say, why is that out of bounds? He needs to protect himself. Well, it's out of bounds because... Before this time, we are tipped off on what a king should and should not do. And amassing war horses is not one of them. For example, Deuteronomy. I'll put it up for you. Deuteronomy 17, 16. This is in reference to the king. That when Israel gets the king, look what it says. Only he must not acquire many horses for himself or cause the people to return to Egypt in order to acquire many horses. Since the Lord has said to you, you shall never return that way. Are you, are you getting this? Not only did he amass all these war horses, but he went back to Egypt to get them. Double whammy. What are you doing? Lots of horses. Let's get some from down in Egypt. Once again, it's a sign of a cracked heart. Are you going to trust the Lord to give you power? Or are you going to be hungry for more power yourself? And so back to the, to the men in here, the guys in here. Let, let's just go ahead and admit We like power. There's nothing wrong with that, right? I mean, we all want to have some power over our little kingdoms, whether it's the kingdom of our families or the kingdom of our work or or whatever it is. We want to have some semblance of power, and there's nothing wrong with that if God gives you that authority, that leadership. God gave it to Solomon, but what happened? Solomon crossed the line. And there are many ways that we can cross the line as well where we want to grab power and get it on our own strength. And it happens to be expressed in leadership. Many of you are leaders. I know you. This is a strong congregation of male leaders. But you've got to be careful, men, on how you lead. You can be 
leading in a way where you are a power leader or a grace leader? Let me show you what I mean. Let me put this up for you. You can be a power leader or you can be a grace leader. Power leaders feed on the spotlight. Look at me. Look how awesome I am. Look at these lights. They're right on me. I'm awesome. But grace leaders share the spotlight with others. Get on up here. Come on. Power leaders don't develop other leaders. Grace leaders develop many leaders. Power leaders feed on being in charge. Grace leaders are committed to being a servant. Power leaders pull rank to get their way. But grace leaders don't use their authority to get their way. Power leaders leave people feeling hurt and abused. Grace leaders leave people feeling encouraged and built up. So what kind of leader are you guys? Are you a power leader or are you a grace leader? Are you trying to grab this power on your own and wield it in ungodly ways? Are you full of grace? Whatever power God gives you, you're going to use it and utilize it for his glory. So we see these cracks. Solomon's heart. He's got power crack. He's got this spiritual laxity crack. And the third one is the love of money. Love of money. So you know the story that God made uh, Solomon very prosperous. He made him very rich. Gave him wisdom, but he also gave him very rich. But, but Solomon started to move out of bounds, and he started to love money, specifically gold. 1 Kings 10. Look at 1 Kings 10. Were you in 1 Kings 10? Look at verse 14 and 15. Solomon and his love of gold. Verse 14. Now, the weight of gold that came to Solomon in one year was 666 talents of gold. So you know it's demonic right there. 666, all right? (laughs) Besides that, which came from the explorers and from the business of the merchants and from all the kings of the West and from the governors of the land... Uh, And then it it goes on to talk about all the things that he made of this gold. You can read it later on. He made these gold shields. He made a throne of gold. He, He wants to drink out of gold. And the passage goes on to say, and during the time of Solomon, silver was junky. Gold was a thing to have. And you may think, what's the big deal? Once again, back to Deuteronomy. Back to the passage in Deuteronomy where it talks about the king's Deuteronomy 17, 17, warned against this, and it says, nor shall he acquire for himself excessive silver and gold. And Solomon, what's he doing? This is excessive. You're drinking out of gold. You're sitting on gold. You have shields of gold. Solomon continues to push against these boundaries of what is what is to be in place for a king. And the reason why I'm showing you all this, don't think that we show up at chapter 11 and he just falls away. There are these cracks along the way. And right now we see it in the love of money. And our teacher, Jesus, the one we follow, in Matthew 6, 24 says, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. I mean, I'm not saying you can't have lots of money. Some of you can be really rich and have lots of money. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with Solomon having a lot of money. But the deal was his heart started to love it. And he wanted it. And it made him feel good. And he started to amass it. Gold, gold, gold. And do you love money? Or do you love the Lord? 
one or the other. So here we go. Cracks along the way, cracks along the way. Love of money, love of power, spiritual laxity. And now we're to our passage in 1 Kings 11. Let's go to 1 Kings 11. And now we're going to see his heart more and more exposed. And we come to the issue of women. Here we go. Verse 1. Now King Solomon loved many foreign women along with the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian, and Hittite women. From the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the people of Israel, Look, you shall not enter into marriage with them, neither shall they with you, for surely they will turn away your heart after other gods. Notice the next part. Solomon clung to these in love. He had 700 wives who were princesses and 300 concubines. And his wives turned away his heart. What's up with this massive polygamy? Does the Bible have anything to say about that for a king before this? Well, it does. Once again, we're stuck in Deuteronomy 17. Deuteronomy 17 says, And he shall not acquire many wives for himself, lest his heart turn away. And so Solomon he not only took many wives for himself, but he took foreign wives for himself with their foreign gods. 1,000 women. What is going on? 1,000 women. Why did he do that? You think, well, it's got to be a power thing. You get a harem, you want to have the biggest harem out there, and you dominate everybody else. So it's a power thing. You say, no, maybe it's not a power thing. Maybe it's... It's just a political thing. He wants to have these political marriages to show his power. Well, maybe. Part of those are true. But a lot of it's just just a sexual immorality thing. It's got to be. It's got to be. And so what I'm going to do is that I'm going to tag this distortion as number four distortion. I'm going to talk about this as an intimacy distortion. An intimacy distortion. And you say, well, why, why are you calling it that? Well, if, once again, if you look at verse 2 of, of chapter 11, it says, it says specifically that Solomon clung to these in love. So I'm going I'm to tag it as an intimacy distortion. Because there are a lot of guys who participate in sexual morality. And I would say within our congregation, sexual morality, number one problem among guys Let's not, be, let's not be liars or, you know, try to hide things. Number one problem, guys in this congregation, sexual morality. And you go, is, is, it, is it a sex thing? Well, yeah, it's a sex thing, but it's also an intimacy distortion. It's an intimacy distortion. Because what we tend to do and the way that we can fall off the cliff here, rather than keeping marriage between a man and a woman in marriage, Right? where that is where intimacy and sex is to happen, outside of that is where it gets distorted. And yes, it's a sex thing, but it's also an intimacy thing. So guys who could be looking at porn, you can think, that's, that's all a sex thing, but it's also an intimacy thing. You say, well, how is that an intimacy thing? It's distorted intimacy. That's what it is. It's messed up. doesn't make sense, does it? And what tends to happen is that our culture, we live in a culture, especially here in America, our culture says 
guys, you can do whatever you want. Just do whatever you want. And what we do is we take the Bible and we say, okay, here's where we stand. And we see all these distortions of intimacy and we reject them in our own lives. So, for example, porn, intimacy distortion. Sex outside of marriage, adultery, intimacy distortion. Homosexual behavior, intimacy distortion. Premarital sex, intimacy distortion. Regardless of what the culture says, God has standards, and when we step outside of those, intimacy is distorted. And when it begins for guys, I'm just talking about guys today, it often begins in the teen years. Whatever that distortion is, and the single guys in here who think that stuff's going to go away when you get married, but if you're not going to deal with it, you're wrong. You will bring that distortion into marriage. You will bring that cracked heart into marriage. What started in your teen years could be hanging out with you when you're 68 years old, 75 years old. It can bring it through your life. That's why if you have these distortions in your life, you've got to deal with them now before they get out of control. Now we're to the point with Solomon. Full-blown worship fail. Full-blown worship fail. Let's finish up. Verse 4. Chapter 11, verse 4. For when Solomon was old, note that man, he's old, his wives turned away his heart after other guards, and his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. So Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and did not wholly follow the Lord, as David his father had done. Then Solomon built a high place. Whoop, here goes the high places. For Chemesh, the abomination of Moab, and for Melech, the abomination of the Ammonites, and on the mountain east of Jerusalem, and so he did for all his foreign wives who made offerings and sacrifice to their gods. Did you catch it? In verse 4 and 6, did you catch it? His heart was not wholly true to the Lord. Did you catch it in verse 6? That his heart did not wholly follow the Lord. Did you catch it? Did you catch it? This guy has a cracked heart. I don't just think it shows up here in 11. He had the cracked heart along the way. It's divided. It's cracked. And at this stage in his life, as an old man, full-blown worship fail. Intimacy distortion, full-blown worship fail now. High places, full-blown worship fail. I want to make sure that you get this. These gods that he are worshiping and goddesses are of the underworld. Chemesh, goddess of sex, Ashtoreth. The way you worshipped her was through a variety of immoralities. And even the dreaded false god of Melech. Do you understand this? Solomon was taking part in some type of worship of Melech where they take babies and children and throw them into the fire to burn them. This is full-blown worship fail. And God's like, all right, Solomon, you have a cracked heart? I'm going to crack the kingdom. And the rest is a description of God being so angry at Solomon that he's going to crack the kingdom. He's going to split the kingdom in two. It's no longer going to be Israel. It's going to be the tribes are going to be split. Most of them will be with Israel. 
Judah will be left. So Israel and Judah, it is now split. You have a cracked heart, I'm going to crack the kingdom. Of course, it's going to happen after Solomon dies, but the kingdom is on the way to being cracked. And it all started with the heart of Solomon. And so let's, let's ask the big question here. Here's the question you're wondering. Did Solomon go to hell or did Solomon go to heaven? This is debated all the time whether Solomon repented. Did he repent? Now, some say that at the very, very, very end of his life, I know it says him being old here, but at the very, 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 very end of his life, he wrote Ecclesiastes. And in the book of Ecclesiastes, it shows some semblance of repentance. But then there are others that will argue and say, you know what? We have no historical record of Solomon repenting. And so, no, he did not repent. It's not that he lost his salvation. The argument goes he never had it in the first place. And he showed it by worshiping other gods at the end of his life. So what is it? Did Solomon go to heaven or did Solomon go to hell? Here's my take. I have no idea. But isn't it sad that after someone's dead, they're having that debate? I don't know about you, but after I die, I don't want people to have this debate. Was he saved? Was he not saved? I don't really know. Sometimes I ask you about your parents, uh, th- those of you who are younger, uh, and, you, and you, you've, had a, you've had a conversion. I ask you, are your parents saved? Do they know the Lord? And you're like, I don't really know. I, I can't really tell. Sometimes I think, but then they're all weird, and they do all this stuff. And, uh, and, and Wouldn't it be terrible that someone had had that conversation after you're dead? I don't want that. This is why, on this Father's Day, we're having this sober warning. And I'll give it to you again. In Hebrews, did you miss it the first time? Let's put it up again. Hebrews chapter 3. Take care, brothers, lest there be any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. And and I know that some of you may appreciate this warning on Father's Day, but it's still, it's kind of a downer. It's very discouraging. But I'm going to give you some encouraging news, okay? Are you ready for something really encouraging? Because I know it's been kind of a bummer the whole time. This is really encouraging. At first, it may not seem that way, but it is, okay? Who is Solomon's dad? Anybody? David, thank you very much. Read the Bible. King David. King David, he did a lot of the same stuff, didn't he? King David had some polygamy issues. King David committed adultery. King David murdered. King David had some power issues. There was that whole census thing. What's going on with that? But King David was forgiven. He didn't have a cracked heart. He was a broken man. You see him in the Psalms just crying out, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And he keeps coming back to God, even in his foolishness. Oh, he was foolish. You can see a lot of the same stuff in Solomon, like father, like son. Except David had a heart after God. 
And he was broken after he would do foolish things. And, and I want to encourage the men in here, if you are foolish like I'm foolish and you find yourself doing stupid things, there is hope for forgiveness. There is. And you say, well, why is there hope for forgiveness? And it's because of this. Are you with me? We have someone greater than Solomon. We have someone greater than Solomon, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus said that he is greater than Solomon, and we will never, ever say to Jesus, say it ain't so, Jesus, because Jesus preached the standards, lived up to the standards, and died for men and women not living the standards. We have one greater than Solomon, Jesus Christ, on the cross for sinners. Those are the cracked heart where we can find forgiveness in his death, bearing the Father's wrath, and his burial and resurrection. And through faith, men in here and women with cracked hearts can be forgiven. So the good news is, if you find your heart has issues, it's cracked, you're divided, you don't have to say, well, I'm doomed. I'm going to hell for sure. No. Today was a warning. Warnings are wake-ups. Wake up. Here's the warning. Let the Spirit convict you. Repent. Trust Christ even, even today more and more. Just trust Him and just keep persevering. Did you get that? That's what the warnings are for. They keep us persevering. They're a means to the ends of our perseverance. We don't have to freak out and think, I'm going to go off the rails. I'm going to go off the cliff. No, we see the warning. We say, okay, God, I'm convicted. I see how my heart's been divided with money, been divided with intimacy distortion. I've been lax in my spiritual life. I've been trying to grab power. Whatever it is, say, Lord, please forgive me. And we can be like David with that whole heart and say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And what does the Bible say? In Christ, we are washed. Our sins are as white as snow. And that could be for us, sinners, men who have cracked hearts, fighting forgiveness, and one greater than Solomon, Jesus Christ. And that can be for today, for us, for us to keep pressing on and persevering. Let's pray. Lord, just let the men know in here, the ones that are struggling, that they're not doomed to destruction. They're not doomed to keep going back to their sin forever. They're not doomed to hell. They can find forgiveness in Christ. That they, they're not doomed to this full-blown worship fail. Lord, we don't, we don't know everything that happened with, with Solomon. We don't, we don't know. But we see David, a broken man, a sinful man, finding forgiveness and grace. And we want to walk in, in the shoes in the line of David and find forgiveness in Jesus for our cracked hearts, Lord, come and creating us clean hearts and whole hearts that worship you, that desire you, that are devoted to you. We want that now as men. And may we not in our pride just walk away from here and just go to a nice Father's Day lunch. May we deal with what's going on inside and have a heart fully devoted to you and to worshiping you. Creating us that, that clean heart, Lord. Create that clean heart in us and wash us white as snow and, and make us men with these whole hearts that worship you. In Christ's name, amen.